Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. Welcome to Light Church. My name is Dan Belshaw, and I'm so glad that you decided to tune in today. Uh, whoever you are, whatever your story is, whatever your background is, I just want you to know that you are amongst family today. Uh, however you found us, whether it's from our community care response, or you just stumbled across us online, or you've been coming to Light Church for a long time, I just think it's so amazing that we decided to join together today. And uh, it's been so encouraging for us to receive messages and DMs and, and texts and emails and stuff from people just saying how much they've been getting from these gatherings. And uh, it's such an honor that we can host these and we can join together and uh, in the midst of this crazy time, uh, it really encourages me to know that we are a church that, that commits to one another, that commits to still being a family and still gathering in a time like this. So uh, we're praying for you today. And my heart is that this message would encourage you and inspire you. Whatever season of life you're in right now, whatever circumstance that you find yourself in right now, uh, my heart is that today you can start to walk into the future that God has for you. And uh, we've been talking about light. Last week we opened a conversation about light. And uh, we are called Light Church. And we should probably dig into what this means a little bit more often. But last week we opened this conversation. And uh, when we finished, I just really felt like there was more to this. Uh, so this week, we're going to carry this on. We're going to be looking at light again. And uh, we're going to be reading from a key passage here at Light Church. And uh, we've used this passage tons of times. And it, it's been kind of like a key verse for us. Uh, so we're going to jump into this today. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. Uh, I'm going to be reading it out. So Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read from verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're going to dig into this today, but if you just join me and pray real quick. Father God, I thank you for this time. I thank you that it is a new day. I thank you that you are present in every single household listening right now. Wherever they are, wherever we uh, find ourselves listening to this, God, I thank you that you are present. That even when things get real difficult and things get maybe even painful, I thank you that you say you will walk through with us. So God, today I pray that it would be your voice, that we would hear from you, that we would leave this feeling encouraged and built up and inspired to walk into the future that you have for us. God, I thank you that you've placed destiny inside every single one of us. God, I just really pray that you would meet us right where we are today. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So on this idea of light, last week we looked at the idea that light provides visibility or it provides guidance. And, and it just jogged my memory of times that I found myself maybe in the dark and maybe I've been lost and in quite a physical sense. Like there's been many times that um, me and some friends have been out on walks and it's suddenly gotten dark in the evening and uh, we find ourselves lost. And this happened not so long ago. There was a load of us out and we were on just a, a walk we thought was going to be a quick one, but it suddenly got dark and we found that a short walk turned into a very, very, 
very long walk. Um, you know, similar to that, Lord of the Rings, we were out there for hours. And uh, we finally got back quite late uh, in the night. And uh, we just couldn't find our way back. We just got lost in some fields. And, and light provides visibility for us. Sometimes things can look a certain way in the light. And then when it goes dark, you don't recognize it. Might be like your towel hanging on the back of your door, and in the, in the night it just looks like there's a person. You're... But I remember a time uh, just last year, me and Holly were away with Pat and some friends uh, for Pat's birthday, and we were staying in this proper nice little cottage. Uh, it was in the middle of Wales, in the middle of nowhere, and at night it was pitch black. And uh, one of our friends was going to be meeting us, but he was working, so he he was going to join us later on in the evening. So. We were waiting in that, that evening, just playing some games, doing whatever we were doing. I think we were actually sat in a hot tub. And uh, we, we noticed that the time he said he was going to be there had just passed. So we thought we'll give him a few more minutes and see, see what's going on. So maybe half an hour went by. He still hadn't shown up. So we give him a ring like, hey, are you okay? What's going on? Like, we thought you were going to be here. And you know, maybe it was the traffic or whatever. And he said, no, I'm lost. <laughs> like he didn't, didn't think you were going to call us to tell us you were lost, but now we're, I'm lost. So where are you lost? I don't know. I'm lost. So he, he'd managed to drive down this tiny little lane and gone past, because we were in the middle of nowhere, and it was up this real steep hill, and he managed to take a wrong turn and go down this tiny, tiny little track, one-track path. And he said to us, yeah, I'm, I'm lost, and I'm stuck. I, I, my car won't move. I'm stuck. I don't really know what to do. So we managed to find where he was, and we go down this real steep hill, and we can see his car at the bottom. And we found that when we got there, we shone our torches underneath the car, and he'd actually, because it was so dark, you couldn't see, he'd driven on top of a really big rock. And it was a, this big, long rock that was sticking out of the ground. And he'd ended up beaching his car, so he'd driven up on it, and all four wheels come off the, off the ground. So when he tried to reverse or go forward, the car just wouldn't go anywhere. And uh, we were like, what has gone on? So we, it was just me, Pat, and there's a guy out in the middle of nowhere with the car, stuck on a giant rock. And uh, it was just one of those situations. There was nothing he could have done. So all it took was... A little bit of light so we could see what was going on. A couple of friends to like wiggle the car. And we managed to get out there. And as I was thinking about this situation, it just painted a real dynamic picture for me. And as stupid as that sounds and as, and as maybe funny a story it is, it just reminded me of exactly what our faith is all about. That when we were stuck in a place of darkness with absolutely no way out, even if we, tr we tried to get out, we wouldn't even know where we were going. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that we serve a God who came down into the darkness. And when we were all broken, when we were all the, the rock bottom, just stuck in the darkness with no way out, Jesus came and took on human form and saved us from the darkness and gave us a way back to where we were supposed to be, back into relationship with God, back into a relationship with our Creator. You know, I, I remember when I was younger and the idea of God's light just bursting through the ceiling of my brokenness, bursting through the ceiling of my life and just overwhelming me with his light. I experienced his grace and his glory and I just experienced a complete new perspective on life. The things that I would place around myself, God's light just burst in through the top of my life was never the same. And my prayer for you today is that your life will never be the same. 
that God's light will burst in through the ceiling of your brokenness. That it will come and it will flood every single area of your life and your life will never be the same again. Just like when we went to go help our friend, he couldn't get back up onto the road. He didn't know where he was. He was stuck. There was no way out. God came and he rescued you and gave you a way back to where you were supposed to be. I don't know about you, but that encourages me that we serve a God who came into the darkness. We read a passage last week in John that says, the light shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness cannot overcome it. Now today, I want to carry on this conversation about light. I want to look at this idea of light in our life. What does it mean? How does it work? And I actually want to address a little bit of a seemingly uh, a seeming contradiction in the Bible, something that seems like it doesn't quite add up. But something I found about the Bible is when there seems like there's a contradiction, there's usually such a deep truth hidden underneath this. So let's look at this. In, in last week, we looked at John 8, 12, where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So Jesus, he makes this big claim about himself. I am the light of the world. Now, this is a big statement for someone to make, especially in the context of the Jews waiting for a Messiah and Jesus claiming to be that Messiah. This is a big claim. Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. But then we find in this, in this passage in Matthew 5, Jesus, the very same guy who says, I am the light of the world, then says to a multitude of people, you are the light of the world. Now, this seems a little bit contradictory. Wait, I thought Jesus was the light of the world. Now, Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. Let's, who is the light of the world here? Let's just look at this. I think this is really interesting. We've got to look at the context. We've got to look at the audience. Who was Jesus talking to? Why was he saying this? Could there be any cultural points? Could there be something deeper that Jesus was trying to say here? And my heart is that we can jump into this and we can leave with a deeper understanding of who we are, who God has made us to be. So Matthew 5 is this amazing moment, often called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Now, we need to realize that his disciples are typically known as the 12, but there were also a bigger group of disciples. And then there was an even bigger group of disciples, a, a giant multitude or a crowd that would follow him around and listen to him teach. And they were often called his disciples, his following, his people. And in this context, most of those people would have traveled from loads of different places, friend and foe alike. So people from various provinces who would typically not have got on, mostly all of them would have been Jews. So they would have followed him around as a Jewish rabbi. They would have known him as a teacher. So they would have come from all these different places, all these different sort of uh, cultures and, and different ways of doing things, different uh, religious uh, traditions within Judaism. So they all come as this mix of people. And then you've got the Galileans. So you've got the, the 12, the disciples, these, this rabble who are from different backgrounds, tax collectors, doctors. You've got fishermen. You've got people. So typically, all these people wouldn't have had a massive presence. They would have been seen more as peasants. So this makes it even crazier about what Jesus goes on to say. So I'm building a little bit of a picture here. Can you imagine Jesus is stood on this large hill on the side of a mountain with grass and, and this amazing view and the sun beaming down and then you've got these hundreds of people, hundreds, maybe thousands of people who are there to hear Jesus teach. So Jesus is teaching them, and he makes this claim. He says, you are the light of the world. Now, 
little bit of context into this. Uh, this phrase is used in other places, two other places to be precise. For obviously, it's used for Jesus who says, I am the light of the world. But culturally, in the Jewish tradition, they would often refer to these kind of like, it was kind of like a prestigious title. They would say that these rabbis who they would call them eminent rabbis, like ones who were revered in the Jewish tradition, they would call them the lanterns of the universe. And that's how it kind of directly trans translates. But they would also call them the light of the world, kind of people that God just shone through. They would call them the light of the world. And then we go back to this picture that we were painting. In Matthew 5, Jesus stands in front of one commentator says, bronze-faced peasants. Bronze-faced as in they might have been a little bit dirty. They've been traveling. You know, they've been camping out. It was hot. They just, this was a strange, weird mix of people. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Now, to the religious, the religious elite, the teachers, the Pharisees, this would have been kind of an offensive thing to hear. You know, the, the people that they revered so highly, they called the light of the world. Jesus is also calling all these peasants, all these kind of like normal folk, the light of the world. I mean, firstly, this taps into a a big sort of biblical mechanism or a biblical process that we see from the very beginning of the Bible. And a man called Richard Balcom who talked about this process, it's called the particular to the universal. This happens all throughout the Bible where God takes something that was particular, maybe to a specific person or a specific nation. And it begins like, it begins to amplify and it's taken from the specific or the particular to the general or the universal. So we see this in Abraham. From one to the many. We see this in Israel. From Israel to all nations. We see this in Jesus. From one man to everyone can be saved. We see this happening all throughout the Bible. So it's like a common sort of like biblical mechanism that we see. Jesus is going from saying that in this sort of narrow-minded Jewish tradition, saying that these people are the light of the world. Jesus is pulling it and saying, you are the light of the world. He opens it. He expands it. He blows it open. He gives anyone and everyone this mandate, this responsibility, this honor to be the light of the world, to carry something, to shine. I don't know about you, but like this just tells me that whoever you are, whatever you've done, however bad you think you are, however messed up you think you are, however screwed up you feel, you are never too, gone, too far gone for Jesus to use. Whatever your story is, whatever pain you carry, whatever brokenness you feel, God does not pick the spiritual elite. It says in the Bible, he draws near to the humble. He doesn't draw near to those who know more, to the theologically sound. He doesn't draw near to the, the rich or he doesn't draw near to a specific. He draws near to the humble. He draws near to anyone who humbles himself. This is, this is encouraging because it means whoever you are. Now Jesus says, I can use you. I have purpose and potential for you. And this is just the same for us right now. Whoever you are, God can still use you. You are not too far gone. You are not too broken. You are not too messed up. God wants to use you. This is what he does from the particular to the universal, from the specific to the general. It is no longer just pigeonholed for a certain type of people. It is all alike. 
If you come to Jesus, his arms are wide open for you. So let's look at this. How can, how can Jesus say, I am the light of the world, and then point to say, you are the light of the world? Let's, let's look at this little bit of a, a little bit of a tension or a con- seeming contradiction. So there's a passage in John 15, 4. Listen, Jesus says this. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So this is Jesus' words. This is what he is saying. He is saying, dwell in me, live in me, remain in me, walk in my light, and I will be in you. I will dwell within you. So this passage says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Like fruit cannot just grow on its own. It has to be connected. And if fruit is a result of the vine, then I want to suggest that light is a result of the source. And we said this last week, light has to have a source. Light cannot just exist on its own. It has to have an emitting source. So if fruit, if the source of the fruit is the vine, is the tree, just the same with us, that if we are to bear the light, if we are to be the light of the world, we have to, we have to dwell in the light. We have to be in the light. Again, this taps into a little bit of a biblical rhythm. It taps into something we see again all throughout Scripture. Love as what? As you have been loved. This idea that there is, like the, the picture of the cross, there is a vertical element like a relationship between us and God. And there is a horizontal element, a relationship between us and one another. It's the same dynamic. It's this biblical rhythm as love as you have been loved. Give as it is given to you. Forgive as you have been forgiven. So now if we dwell in the light, we're not only light receivers, but we are light givers. So based on this biblical rhythm, we receive the light when we walk in the light. That passage that we we read last week in Romans that says Christ's face will shine on you. It says, wake up, sleeper. Arise. Let Christ's face shine upon you. So now, if we go through this process of walking in the light of God, there's a, a little biblical dynamic here that says if we receive the light, then it is our duty, it is our expression, it is part of the the move of our spirit, it is the part of our mission in life, our purpose, our design is to give the light. As we receive, we must give. So let's look at this, this passage we read out, Matthew 5, 14, 15, and 16. In the message version, listen to what it says, it says, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. I love this. It's so poetic. It says, if I make you light bearers. I love this term, light bearer. It's this kind of picture. If you imagine in your house, like a load bearing wall, it's something that it, something is relied upon. It's something that it carries, that upholds. And you imagine that, that God is saying to me and to you, We can carry, we can bear his light. We can be carriers of his light. I think this is encouraging. What does it mean to be a light bearer? Well, there's a couple of things we need to remember when we are light bearers, when we carry this light. Firstly, we carry his light. It says in that passage, if I 
make you light bearers. It doesn't say if you make you light bearers, if you generate your own light and shine, if you think you've got it all together and go walk around like you are the light of the world in that sense. It doesn't say that. It says if I make you light bearers. We need to remember that we carry his light. We don't carry our own light. You know, the, the moon does not boast of its bright light because it knows it actually comes from the sun. It is a mere reflecting surface. There's, there's a beautiful proverb that says, like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. The appearance of something with no substance. We talked about this a few weeks ago, having all the leaves but none of the fruit. We carry his light. Let's not get arrogant and think that we have something special, that we have generated something. Let's not put on the front, like this proverb says, let's not have the appearance and walk around boasting of a gift that we did not give. You know, like the, how foolish would it be for the moon to, uh, I know it's not a real person, but walk with me for a second. Imagine the moon walking around just like, yeah, you know, look, all my light and everyone knows it's a reflection. Just the same with us. We can't get arrogant. We can't start to think that is on us. We are light bearers. We carry his light. Second thing is nothing needs to be added and nothing needs to be removed. When we are light bearers, it is not our job to change, add, remove, tweak. It is our job to carry. Imagine we are like a waiter in a restaurant. The waiter's job is to take the food from the chef to the table. That's it, to carry the food from the chef to the table. Like the, 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 the waiter doesn't take things into his own hands or her, her own hands. Yeah, it doesn't, oh, maybe as they're carrying it and they think, well, don't need this. Oh, no, don't need this. Don't like the color of this. Puts it on the table. Or it doesn't start walking and then maybe as he's going, you know, just needs a little bit extra salt. This The waiter's job is to carry from the chef to the table. Just the same as we are to carry God's light from the source, from God, and shine it out to others in our world. It's not our job to add or remove. Why do we add and remove? We do it all the time. Maybe let me make a few suggestions of why we add. Sometimes we add religious regulations. Now, Christians do this far too often. We do, don't we? We add religious regulation onto the light of God. Instead of just taking it from the source and shining out into our world, we take it and we wrap it in religious regulation. You can be saved if you dress a certain way, if you don't do this, if you stay away from that, if you don't engage with this, and if you don't hang out with that person, if you don't do this, and oh, you can't be doing that. And, you know, we begin to take this light and instead of shining it on people, we just hide it a little bit. Or we can't shine it on them. They're doing that. They're doing this. They're not engaging in the way that I really think they should be doing. And we, we take it and we wrap it in religious, in religious tradition. And we make things sacred that just aren't sacred. Or maybe we even add to the gospel of Jesus. We take it. And uh, that, that passage says, by grace through faith, we've been justified. We are made right with God by his grace. And by his grace through faith. And then we just go. Oh, I'm by works and by doing good things. Or oh, maybe, you know what, like I can live a good life and I can, I can do this stuff and, and that will make me better. 
and we walk out into real dark places that just need the light of God shining in there. And we begin to add these things. Oh, yeah, you can be saved, but you got to do this, this, and this. Why do we do this? Why do we, why do we add things to the perfect gospel of Jesus? When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he meant it. The cross is enough. Let us not insult the work of Jesus on the cross by saying it is not sufficient. The Bible says that God's grace is sufficient for every, every, everything we can face in our life. Let's not be arrogant to say that by grace through faith and by doing some other things. That's not what it says. Let's not be people that add to the light of God. It does not need anything extra to it. So often we do it. Maybe we remove stuff. We do this. This is common. Like I said, you may see yourself in some of these. Like you maybe think, oh, I, don't, I don't remove anything. But like, just hold your, hold your tongue for a second and we'll see if we do. Because I've been challenged by this. I've been real challenged by this. I do this maybe more often than I probably like to admit. Oh, Jesus, I, you're, you're so perfect. And then we take it and maybe we make it more palatable for people to take. Yeah, I told you I'm coming for you. Like, I'm sorry we do this all the time. Like, we want to come across cool or we don't want to come across weird. Or we don't want the Bible to sound like some weird myth. Or we don't want it to sound like some weird cosmic drama where, where there's this God up in heaven and he walks on. What do we do? We just dilute the gospel down. We take this light and we put a diffuser over it. And we make it softer. We make it more round. We, we, we take it and we go into work and someone says, like, tell me about this faith that you have. Yes, yes, cool. Like, oh, the community is amazing. Like, the, the people I get to hang out with that are Christians, so, yeah, they're so encouraging. I feel more myself. And, and yeah, yeah, tell me, tell me about this. Like, do you believe in healing? I'm like, yeah, you know, like, I believe it happens. Like, yeah, I don't want to be too weird about it. Like, you know, don't. We do it all the time. We make it palatable. Can I tell you the gospel does not need to be made palatable? The, the power of the cross does not need to be watered down into a way that the world needs to accept it. Can I tell you the, the gospel of Jesus, the light of God, is the very thing that people need and we need to stop watering it down. We need to stop pulling things out of it so that it can be cool again or it can be, it can be more easily. Listen, the gospel of Jesus is perfectly is perfectly pure and needs to be left intact. It is not our job to tamper. It is our job to carry. Maybe you feel challenged by this and think, ah, maybe I do make it more palatable for people. Maybe I do water it down. Can I just say, the gospel of Jesus is what this world needs right now. Let us not do the world a disservice by watering down the greatest message we have to tell. The, the greatest power we have to give. The brightest light we have to shine. Let us not shrink back anymore. Maybe we change it to make it easier for us to live. I've seen this. I've seen people do it. I have friends who have done this. Who begin to look at the light of God, to look at the message, the gospel of God. The, the power of Jesus. This amazing news we have to tell and we remove things from it. Why? Because we think we know better. And maybe it's like, hey, I want to follow God with everything. Oh, you, I need to give? Like, I need to, oh, it involves, like, my money? Oh, well, no, nah, you know, I think it's not about that. It's just kind of about, like, doing good, and it's about following God and honoring Him with everything. But, like, my money doesn't really mean a whole lot, does it? Maybe it's purity. Hey, you know, I want to be so pure, and 
But then when it comes to you're on your own at home and you've got the computer out and you're looking at things you shouldn't be looking at and like surely it'll be fine. Surely it won't do anything. Like we begin to remove things. The need for holiness, the need for purity, the desire for righteousness. We just begin to tamper with it. Well, we don't need this. Imagine if we went to a car engine and we started just pulling things. Don't like the way that looks. Don't like the way that feels. Don't like the way. Nah, I don't really understand that. That's old-fashioned. That doesn't seem like it makes any sense. You wouldn't get very far. Why do we approach the life-changing, transformational message of Jesus with the same eyes? We look at it and we pull things apart. Generosity, don't need that. Compassion, forgiveness, we start pulling things out. And what do we left with? Just this broken, hollow thing. And Jesus is there with his arms out saying, I want to transform you. I want to pull you into the future that I've got for you. You don't need to pull anything out of his light. I know people who have just turned this amazing life transforming gospel into one thing. Oh, it's just about love. Like, it don't matter about anything else. Like, yeah, God might be a thing. It might not. Like, the universe, whatever. It's just all about love. And then wars down. And, and actually, their life begins to look bitter and warped and turn into this weird place. It's because they've lost their relationship with the God who sent his son down to save them. Let us not be people that add or remove we are light bearers. We are made to carry the light. So if we are light bearers, then Jesus lays out these two options, these two ways that we can live, these kind of two options for life. He says this. He says, no one puts a light under a bucket. Instead, you put it on a stand. Now, I thought this was interesting. Like, it's a pretty strange thing for Jesus to say. He says, no one takes a light and sticks it under a bucket. It's like, that would be a strange thing to do, Jesus. Like, who would do that? And then I think about it. And in fact, maybe this is more common than we realize. A whole lot of people take a light and put it under a bucket. Maybe not physically. Kind of weird. But it doesn't seem weird when we do it in our lives, does it? But we do this time and time again. What does the bucket life look like? So this is Jesus laying this out. What does he mean, place a light under a bucket? Let's look at this. It means the light is kept for itself. It is inside this little place where it shines. It's all nice and it's just nice and bright under the bucket. But nothing outside of that bucket is affected by the light. It is contained to a small place. Can I just say, so many people, in the name of protecting or maintaining a purity or maintaining a, this uh, holy facade, so many churches are like that bucket. So many people live with this amazing, life-transforming, like history-shifting, paradigm-moving light, and they keep it to themselves. We all do this maybe on a small scale or a large scale. So many churches are like this light hidden in a bucket. Everything is good in here. Everything's fine. One of my favorite films or sort of uh, film series, whatever you want to call them, is Home Alone. Like for those of you who know me know I can quote Home Alone day and night. Like it's one of my favorite films. Like I can just relate to Kevin on a deep level. I, I just love the Home Alone film. And in the second Home Alone, there's a bit where Kevin is speaking to who I like to call Pigeon Lady. Now, if you've seen the film, you know this lady who she's a little bit creepy. I was a little bit terrified of her as a kid because she's like lives in the park and has pigeons all over her. And it's 
kind of weird, but anyway, she's a nice lady. And um, Kevin makes friends with her, and he, he's talking to her about this idea of love and trust, and uh, like eight-year-olds do. And, and he's saying to her, like, hey, why don't you, you know, go and, and, and find love? Why don't you trust people? And she says, well, I've been hurt before, so I, I just don't do that. I like to keep it, you know, to myself. I like to protect it. And uh, he, he begins to tell this story about rollerblades. And he says, hey, I got a pair of rollerblades for Christmas. I loved them so much that I kept them in the box, and I would get them out, and I maybe wore them once or twice in my room. But I never wore them outside. And one day I decided I'm going to go and wear my rollerblades. And he puts them on and he finds he's grown out of them. And uh, Kevin turns to Pigeon Lady and he says, that's just the same with you. Like your heart was never designed to stay in the box. It was never designed to be protected like that. And the same way, light was not designed to be hidden in a bucket It was not designed to be protected. It was designed to shine. Churches were not designed to be little places that hide and contain light. Can I say light church will not be a place that will contain the light of God. If we have to, we will knock down all four walls of our church and we will let the light shine into every place that will allow it in. The same with our lives. We will not be people that will hide the light. Can I encourage you to be a person that shines the light of God? that shines into every circumstance that we walk into, into every scenario we find ourselves in. Let's not be people that hide it and protect it. It was designed to shine. You were designed to shine. Let's not be people that contain it and hide it. That is what the bucket life looks like. It's time to pull off the bucket and let the lights shine. Jesus lays out the other option, the desired option, the life of the stand. No one lights a lamp and hides it under a bucket. They put it on a stand and what? It gives light to everyone in the house. What does the stand life look like? Let me read this. It says, I'm putting you on a light stand. This is Jesus talking to me and you. I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Hey, this is Jesus' command. He says, shine. This is, what the, this is what it's supposed to look like. Firstly, let's live out what God has put inside of us. Let's stop playing it small. Let's stop, uh, you know, this whole like pseudo humility where we pretend like, oh, you know, someone gives you a compliment or says, hey, really good job at this. And you go, uh, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not me. It's, it, it was all God. I didn't really do this. Pseudo humility does not, bring, does not bring glory to God. Stop playing small. Stop playing things down. Let's live a life that is bold, that is glorious. Let's live a life that is beautiful, that is flamboyant, that is bold, that is courageous, that is joyful, that is free. Let's stop living lives that are contained and held in these places. In Corinthians, it says that my grace will take you into a wide open space. That is what God does. He wants to take you into a plane of freedom. He doesn't want to keep you caged and contained. So why do we do this with ourselves? God has put stuff inside of us, talents, gifts. He's put things in there that he has not put in anyone else. Did you know you are a unique expression of the Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit expresses himself in a unique way through you. And the day you leave this earth, that expression leaves too. He will never be able to express himself in that specific way without you here. And that's not to say we have this strange power over God, but it is a beautiful, beautiful relationship that through you, God wants to move. He wants to do things. He wants to give light to all those around you, like the moon reflecting the light of the sun that gives light in the night. 
God wants to use you to shine through you into places, into dark places. People should look at your life. People should look at you and not go, how amazing are they? They should look at you and go, I want to follow the God that they follow. I want the freedom that they have. I want the peace that they have, the security they have, just the, the knowledge of their identity. I, I want to live a life that's free like them, that's bold, that's courageous, that's not caught up and, and bitter and small. Let us be light bearers that live out the joy and the grace of God that people would look at us and glorify who? God. That is what it means to be a light bearer. Right now, we should be living lives that represent God. It says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, it says, we are God's ambassadors. It says, as though Christ makes his appeal through us. God wants to move through you. Can I just say that we need to stop playing it small? We need to stop putting up these weird fronts and putting up these weird projections about what life is supposed to look like and just start living in the grace and freedom of Jesus. That is what it's about. No longer will our church be a bucket church. We do not want to be bucket people. We need to be people that are free, people that know who they are, that live out this unique expression of God, that shine his light into the darkness. That's the kind of church we need to be. That is the kind of people we need to be, a free people that shine the light of God. Maybe you're listening and you just feel like your life is a little bit dark. It's a little bit heavy. Just things maybe haven't turned out the way you expected. Can I suggest maybe it's time to step into the light? Or maybe you're listening and, and you've been a Christian and, and you feel like you've just real taken up that idea of receiving the light but maybe you've just missed the idea of giving the light. It's a simple call for all of us. It is time to be light bearers. From the chef to the table, from the source to the people. Let us be carriers of the light, shiners of the light. Let us live out beautiful lives in the face of, of death and darkness and brokenness. Our lives, our lives should shine in the darkness. If you've been listening today and maybe you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, to step into that light, I want you to pray a simple prayer to, today. A very simple prayer, along with your brokenness, along with all your mistakes. Just take it all and say, Jesus, I give you my life. Whether it's for the first time or maybe you've done this years ago and you're coming back. Jesus, I give you my life. It's time to step back into the light. Or maybe you've been listening and today's a day that you're going to take up that hold and say, I am no longer just going to be a receiver of the light. I am going to be a shiner of the light, a giver of the light. Maybe it's time to remember your mission, to remember your purpose, to lift off the bucket, to let people in, to let people see the glory of God in your life. Let us pray. Father God, I want to thank you that you, you shine your light you came and you rescued us in the darkness, that you sent your son Jesus to come and die for us, to be in a grave for three days and rise again so we could have life, so we could have freedom, so we could have salvation. God, I pray for all those people today that have decided again to be, to be shiners of the light, to be givers of the light and not just hold it and hold it in this little bucket of containment, of protection. God, let us be shiners of the light today. 
Also, God, for those people that just said for the first time or again in their life, Jesus, I give you my life. God, I thank you today that you are going to break through the ceiling of their brokenness and overwhelm them with your beauty, overwhelm them with your glory, overwhelm them with your light. God, flood their lives right now. May their lives never be the same. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you're doing in our church right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, we're so excited for you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to, we want to be on that journey with you. And Dan and Grace are going to jump on in just a few minutes and, uh, and explain to you how you can take some next steps and how you can journey. And, uh, but we're so thankful that you joined us today, whoever you are, wherever you've come from. Uh, we just love that we can continue together. And uh, remember to keep in touch and, in all the various ways and like and subscribe these videos. Dan and Grace will go through it all. But I'm just so honored that you would join with us today. And uh, as a church, as a people, let us not contain the light anymore. Let's be shiners of the light, givers of the light. And we will see people's lives change forever. Not because of us, because of our amazing God. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. If you would like any more information, you can find us online or on social media. Thanks for listening.